back once again to Behind the Bench with Neil Francis. I am joined as always by Mr. Neil Francis. Hi guys. By Mr. John Donovan. So you're actually going to him first, because like, you usually go to me first, but now... I, that's why you threw me off. I did, it's right, <laughs> yeah. So not only does he get the title, he gets... A, yeah, no, I'm good, guys. Good to see you. And I'm some other chap. Uh, you're the creator. <laughs> sure, sure show, man. Oh, that was my review from Simsy. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh. He, he said, he said uh, it's a very good podcast, you yeah. know, John Donovan, Neil Francis, and uh, some other chap. <laughs> <laughs> it's his show, so, Simsy. It's Gareth so Hewish. There you go. I'm, uh, no, no, I'll take the billing. I, I just know how you feel now, not being on a marquee. So I kind of feel like we've bonded yeah. over that, and we can, uh, you know, we, it's now us two against Franny. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> no, but I am Gareth Hewish, and welcome back once again, and... Uh, Thank you ever so much for the feedback from the uh, pre-season uh, episodes. Probably, I would say, our most humorous uh, episodes so it. far. I, I got a lot off my chest. I, <laughs> I, love your chest. <laughs> I, I just remember Steve Owen and Tyler Mosienko. There was a... <laughs> Steve Owen, Tyler Mosienko. Um, what else did we have? We had a, a small uh, hostel. Yeah. Where uh, hosting players in all sorts of absolute nonsense, but uh, just goes to show, you know, it's always worth buying a ticket. Yeah. Guys, all the feedback uh, that you had for, for those uh, couple of pre season episodes, anyone uh, joining in with a couple of extra stories or uh, just uh, everyone just having a, a good laugh as we had over it? A couple of people came up to me in grats and uh, we were talking about stuff that they wanted uh, to be brought up ricky maloney was one shout out to ricky yeah um he then tweeted about it but i'd forgotten what he'd asked <laughs> what was the point that he'd made so i had to like <laughs> ask him to give me a hint so i think i know what it is but mm. I'll, I'll make sure i'll i'll clarify okay. that with ricky because grats was a a long few days let's mm-hmm. just put it that way yeah um so yeah no i think uh, how was the scooter ride scooter ride fantastic yeah <laughs> thoroughly recommend it <laughs> Cobblestones, not yeah, so did, good. Did you, not, did you tell Todd you had a concussion when you came <laughs> <Yeah>. off? <laughs> True story, yeah. It felt like a concussion. Yeah. Which is maybe why I can remember what exactly. Ricky Yeah, had, obviously. Uh, not the alcohol. No. Yeah, no, no other extreme. Nothing from Czech beer, Austrian beer. <laughs> and you being out with Chrissy Aglund. <laughs> <laughs> and the visit to Arnold Schwarzenegger's house as well. Did you? Yeah. Really? Was he? <laughs> yeah, he wasn't, but there was several life like uh, several life size statues of him in there. Well worth a visit if you're in the Gratz area. There's three of them here today around this table. <laughs> in terms of European weekends, you've been in plenty as a, as a player. Uh, this this last weekend as a, as a Devil Staff member, what did it, what did it rack up? Um, whew. Like no teetotalers being forced no. back into the demons. <laughs> They're always good because, like from the year I was in, yeah. you know, the massive thing about going across to Europe was you knew you were going to have like a good party yeah. before, during, and after. Where um, now, obviously, for the guys, yeah, they had a couple of beers after after the Gratz game, well deserved. But for me now, as uh, you know, as uh, somebody that's going to to watch the game, we had a great time. It was fantastic and. You know, an unbelievable job by the fans, particularly that Grats game behind the um, behind the goal. Um, me and Chris Aglan went down there for the third period uh, and joined in. The owners were down there for three periods, uh, just absolutely loving it. Yeah. And, you know, hats off to Geraint. Absolutely, uh, to, led the charge. You know, and you know, and also teaching Stephen Dixon how to wave a flag, which I thought was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I also love with the Mario Mackie chants. Yeah. Um, 
you can see how intense G is yeah. like when he's pointing in his face. Like, <laughs> for him to, you. You better listen to this chant. It's about you. But uh, yeah, some very good clips yeah. on, uh, on YouTube. G, I mean that with love, by the way, if you're listening, you're a good lad. So. Absolutely. Nah, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to the polls and we asked what season review you'd like us to do was this a binding poll was it uh, it was it was it, it, you it, can't go back and vote on it again no, no. definitely not that's okay. not the way these things work well, the seems you'll love that joke <laughs> seems you'll love that joke <laughs> and uh, it was neck and neck between the first super league year and the first year of the tent right up until the very last day and then by two percent the first super league year won out I was very worried that we were going to have to do a marathon mm. five-hour show covering two very different seasons ten years apart. Mm. But uh, thankfully, yes, that wasn't the case because, uh, as we well know, gentlemen, even one episode takes far longer than we ever envisage to get done. So it is the first Super League year, and we're going to delve right into it right now. And John, I'm going to come to you first okay. to explain exactly what happened to the Heineken League. Mm-hmm. Why did it go away, and where did this Super League come from? Um, I think the, the there was a year gap, but Heineken um, finished 92, 94, was it 93, 94? No, 92, 93, and there were a couple of years then after there, 93, 94, 94, 95, which was just the, the British Ice Hockey League. But I think what had happened is you started to have the arrival of the arena teams, and and. Franny will know a bit more about the ins and outs, so he can correct me if I'm wrong. But I think everybody thought the landscape was moving towards a Sheffield or, or a Manchester, you know, uh, 8,000, 17,000 respectively. So I think um, there was a feeling that ice hockey could go to the, the next step. And I initially remember, and this is going back to, you know, South Wales Echo uh, cuttings from back then, that there was a fear that Cardiff wouldn't get in because initially the talk was you had to have at least a minimum of a, a 5,000 seater uh, arena to get in and of course the Wales National Ice Rink wasn't that and then I think it was clarified that you had to have a plan to have a, a 5,000 seater arena within three years or five years and we did and, and clearly you know we, we stuck to that time frame that building <laughs> that building went up I remember there's all sorts of proposals there was proposals about going to the Millennium Stadium and having a pitch you know that could be taken out on slabs and an ice rink put in it was all kinds of crazy stuff but sorry did you say within three years or within three decades uh well it became three decades <laughs> a little bit yeah uh we had about six prime ministers and uh yeah uh, different things but um it was exciting and and i think obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing uh, and we all know what happened to, to super league but at the time we probably all thought that, that British ice hockey could go to that next step because um, there was interest from Sky and we did have these arenas coming in and Sheffield were getting big crowds and Manchester were getting big crowds even in Division 1. We talked about that before. Um, you know, I remember them getting sort of 12,000 against Chelmsford when, when it was sort of the Division 1 decider, which, which Sky covered. So I think we all thought at the time, and again, I say hindsight is a wonderful thing, that, that hockey could go to that next level. And it was, it was a really, really exciting time. So a big driver behind it, from what I can remember, it was Newcastle and Sir John Hall. Yes. Um, so he had he was obviously the new owner of Newcastle United, and he was forming this sporting club. So like a lot of the European, the big European yeah. guns have got, they got a sporting club. So he bought the Newcastle basketball team mm-hmm. and the ice hockey team. 
Um, I think they played that one year before the Super League out of the Crowd Centre in Sunderland. And then they moved. Just a shout to out, who was the coach that year? Rick Brabant. Rick Brabant. Oh, yeah. oh, we mentioned it. We got it in. We got it in. Yes. Yeah, so that's ticked off the list. Rick Brabant, yeah. Uh, Anyone playing now... uh, behind the bench bingo? Yeah. There we go. Uh, we need a, a joke about JD, from JD about his wife. And you know those in there, and then you've got a hat. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so um, it was Sir John Hall who was driving it in terms of he wanted this Newcastle sporting club, the basketball to- team he bought, the ice hockey team. Um, maybe that's where the whole arena thing came from because they were then going to move into the um, yeah. Metro, Metro, Tele West, whatever, it, yeah. whatever arena it was uh, up in Newcastle. Um, and it was around about that time that Sky, had, like you said, Sky were interested and they just started pumping massive money into football mm. and they were looking to take on other sports. Um, and I think the plan was that Sky were going to come in with some mega money. Mm that would you know revolutionize the game and you know, like you say if you weren't in an arena by then then why would you you know be party to this uh, yeah. this sky money that all the football teams are starting to benefit from and there's going to be a massive windfall so there's definitely huge plans on the horizon because mm-hmm. the founding members of the super league were a Yes. Who were playing out of the Centrum, which is only around 3,000, I believe. It was, it, was a, it was a new facility, similar to ours. It had taken three decades to, to build, uh, and it only took three years to knock down. Uh, mm. I think it's now a Tesco. And, that, that, and again, that, they, had, they had a big sort of backer, didn't they? Yeah, it was like bar. bar. Yeah, yeah, bar construction. And is that the same person as Bar's Iron Brew? Made in Scotland from Gutters? Uh, let's, let's, yes. let's just say yes. Good question. Twitter, is, yeah. is bar construction <laughs> the same people who make Iron Brew? Yeah. yeah. That's my brother. Iron. He's on his way up there. There we go. <laughs> can I can I do this as a quick quiz? See if I can remember because it was eight teams, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So you got it. That, that one's for free. Air, Basingstoke, Bracknell, Cardiff, Nottingham, Manchester, Sheffield. How many is there? Seven. Seven. What's the other one? I've just talked about one. You weren't listening to me. Because I talked about Newcastle. Sorry. Are <laughs> they on the list? Yeah, yeah, Newcastle yeah, on the list. So that, those, those were the initial eight, eight, I think. They were yeah. the Cobras at the time. They were the Newcastle Cobras. As, as they came into the league. Yes. And the one that sticks out for me there, and I, I don't mean any disrespect or, or anything when I say this, but who were the backers of Basingstoke at the time taking on this? Um, I'm, I'm trying to think. Peter Woods was coach. They had who, Weller as their sponsor. They had Weller so as they, 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 they did. They had a decent, decent they sponsorship. So I think is was Weller like the only company that operates out of Basingstoke or something. So they're a big deal in Basingstoke. <laughs> yeah, and they chuck their money into the local community. Yeah. So they actually they actually had they one of the better sponsorships in the league. And so that's why if you're driving around Basingstoke, everyone's got such lovely hair. Yeah. Everyone has got lovely hair. And the hair players too. on that team had lovely hair. They did. So. Apart from Richard Little, who was bald, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but what a shiny scalp. It was lovely. <laughs> he was to promote their new wax. He was to promote it. Unless we forget that was only two years removed from them changing their name. I, I don't know why they would have changed it from the Basingstoke Beavers. Uh, but they were the Basingstoke Beavers. And then they became the Basingstoke Bisons. And then realised... And then realised there's no plural of Bison. <laughs> yeah. Fact. Fact. <laughs> but they, they do seem to be... And again, you know, that's not a... It's just break. I know when they joined the Elite League, hmm. um, they, they were kept um, and propped up because they wanted they were, their proximity hmm. to London. I don't know whether the Super League was as a similar thing or... I just think they had backing, as, as, as Freddie said. I can't remember who their owners are for the life of me, but they had Peter Woods, who was the, 
the British coach, I think, at the time. And, and, and their arena, like, when it was at full capacity, yeah. was just over 3,000. So it was actually bigger than Cardiff's was. Well, they, yeah, because they, they, they held the Norwich Union Cup there that one year. And, and um, yeah, they had some good players. Was it Richard Galache in goal? He was a good player. And, and mentioned Richard Little. and Merv Priest. Merv Priest. Yeah. And, you know, Kevin Conway was still there. And you forgot what a good player he was. And... Um, yeah, Basin, I, I miss Basingstoke. I miss Basingstoke and Bracknell. I'd love to, to have those two, uh, particularly Bracknell, because that, that is a you know 3,000-plus arena with a good ice pad. I'd love to see them yeah, back the, in the top uh, level. The Knight family are back in charge of Bracknell. Oh, are they? As well. The, uh, I believe it's uh, the grandchildren have, have taken it on. See, that would be a good one close to London and a nice derby for Guildford. They, and... they have made some... Uh, they put some investment at a rink recently, I believe, as oh. well. And... Maybe there's a little inkling. The only thing I always didn't like about Bracknell, Rick, first of all, from a player's point of view, the changing rooms are... Oh, my God. It it is like a shoebox, yeah. It's (laughs) absolutely tiny. So you have to have half your team changing in skate hire. Okay, right. So that's as a a player. Yeah. When I've gone down there to watch games, there was... It must be downstairs and the plexiglass... Because you've got the high balcony, haven't you? And then you're sort of enclosed down below. And you're enclosed and like... And it's sort of captures all the noise and the atmosphere and stuff like that that's a really weird design for yeah an ice rink but it's good ice isn't it it's a big ice pad and it's a big ice pad yeah yeah Yeah, very good uh history of bringing through some uh Mm. fine players as well and looking at danny myers Mm -hmm. Sam Duggan, Mark Richardson. Yeah, it's not a not a bad legacy. They put up with Todd um... Kelman for a while. uh... (laughs) Sorry, Todd, Super League winner there. Very good defenseman. (laughs) Um, So that yeah, that was the eight um, founding teams, and you know the British Ice Hockey Association now don't have any jurisdiction over anything. I think Super League formed that. You know the 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 late David Temme, I think was was heavily involved as as well. So I think this was. a separate entity in its own right. So I, I remember um, Sky covered the 95-96 the, the Wembley, and it was the first Wembley that wasn't on the BBC, and I think it was a, a pretty good Wembley. I think Sheffield beat Nottingham on penalty shots, and I think Sky thought, yeah, we'll, we'll have a little bit of this. Um, so I think kind of with that TV deal and, and with driving forces like Sir John Hall and, and the late David Temme, I, I yeah, this was a... A separate entity in its in its own right, and uh, as I said, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But at the time, it was very, very exciting. And I think I, I talked before, didn't I, about the um, it was when we talked about Glenn Anderson and you know the potential deal that was on the table for him. The business plan in Cardiff was to knowingly lose something like half a million pounds yeah. for three years in a row, um, and then have a new arena, have the TV money that was going to be millions and millions. Mm-hmm. So that a million and a half losses over three years would just be wiped out by this windfall. Yeah. But, uh, as, I, as we know now, it never happened. The other thing, just to throw in before we, we start talking about the season in general, I, I think even though it was a football-related thing, for sort of the, the 18 months beforehand, the, the Bosman rule had really kicked in in all sports, and there was this freedom of movement of, of players in Europe. So it, it wasn't that we moved from three imports and all Brits to the Super League. There was kind of creeping up before that that there were players with European passports who so you know and that was Newcastle again that, that was that Newcastle they were the first ones to yeah. sort of test the water and say exactly. right we're just going to bring these we're going to bring these guys in over, didn't they? and we did it with, with Robert Millay the season before Super League you know someone like, yeah unfortunately <laughs> someone like I think Simon Keating lost his job and, and I know Geeks listens to this Simon Keating lost his job and we brought in Robert Millay because we could because I think he had an Italian passport so it wasn't that Super League I think you'll find that's a French passport with a name like Millay was it French? I thought it was Italian. 
Oh, that's French. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your elite prospect says you carry on, John. No, no, I'll no, get I, back I, to I don't get. But you know, thanks for correcting me, Frank. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know the the league wasn't all. You didn't just jump a hundred miles an hour from this. We've got great British development program. To we're now only giving imports jobs. That was unfortunately a byproduct of Super League, but it had sort of crept in before that. And and you know Cardiff had done it themselves with the French Robert Millet. <laughs> as backed up by elite prospects thanks Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Franny as a a player how are you feeling about this influx of foreign uh, talent are you concerned or are you excited about prospects of yourself as a player because at this point Manny you know you're you're pretty well established in in Devil's Colours and you're yeah, I, I do. I do think this was the year that the well, actually it was the year before that the concerns started mm. coming in when uh, Newcastle, you know, when they were in the Sunderland rink, started bringing these extra guys in. I do remember that first game when against Newcastle when they signed these mm-hmm. extra players, and I remember skating the width of our ice just to absolutely crush one of their guys just because he was <laughs> European, <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I, yeah, I remember it. Like one of the hardest hits I've ever thrown. So you were like twenty years ahead of your time in terms of Brexit. You were just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he he was nearly Brexit. Um, but then, yeah, I remember seeing like my eyes light up when one of these fins got the puck, and I yeah. just literally came from one wing to the other, and I mean charging didn't even come into it. It was, uh, it was way beyond that. But uh, so that that was I was definitely obviously feeling threatened by that. And then when you go on to this season, I'm sure we get to talk about it. Well, we did talk, talk about it in one of the previous episodes, the um, breast training camp yeah. where we had all the guys trying out and you get the likes of Beavis and yeah. uh, One Punch and all that. While we're talking about them, actually, Shannon's in the country at the moment. We did try to get him on, but he's busy. Would he know who One Punch was if we text him? No chance. <laughs> no chance. No. Well, the mystery continues. Yeah. The only one person I think that might know who One Punch was, two people, and I asked one, I didn't get a reply, that's Paul Heavey, the other one maybe Andy French. Yeah, Andy, ah, Fr- Andy, Andy French, French. Yeah. he's an organised guy, Andy French yeah. would know. Yeah, okay. Andy, if you're listening, <laughs> reach I, out. I, I don't know if I want to know. No. Okay. I, no. Well, Some mysteries maybe we'll, are better left unsolved. Maybe we'll get, if he does know, he can write it down and we'll put it in a box. We'll, we'll bury decide, it. Yeah, we'll <laughs> never ever do that. <laughs> but then, you know, maybe one day it'll be there for future generations <laughs> find this podcast floating in space yeah. somewhere to find out. Sorry, I interrupted you there. Not at all. Frank, you know. What was I talking about? <laughs> all the guys oh, coming into the training camp. All the guys, yeah, guys yeah. coming into the training camp in breath. So then, like, I, I think we were sort of unaware of it coming into the summer because you, you kind of get quite assumptive that you know, you've had a decent year the year mm. before, so you get a new contract and, um, you know, the thing we're hoping for, oh yeah, Super League coming on, that means a chance for more money and then when the Sky money comes in, we're mm-hmm. going to be zillionaires. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, flying over to Brest and, you know, ahead of that, I'd picked up Vez from, from the airport, as we talked about. We get into Brest, there's another three or four guys. Mm. And again, like, I'm going to sound like such a bully. I remember those training camps and uh, like I've probably mentioned it before, treating those guys the, the German guys out there like I made some pretty bad hits on them <laughs> I remember like hitting Beavis yeah. into the goal frame and we, we do like a cross-eye scrimmage so you bring the the net yeah. cross which means there's no room to skate behind the net like there would be if you're on full ice and you know he was there trying to dig the puck out so I just smashed him into the goal frame 
um, almost like a statement, like you're not taking my job. So yeah. there, there definitely was this threat there because you know we were starting running around in practice at anyone that you know yeah. looked like they they could be a, a threat to us. Well, based on what today's classification of an import would be, it rose from nine imports the season before the Super League to eighteen. Mm. Um, for this inaugural season from the Devils roster yeah other teams may have had more because we were quite lucky in Cardiff in the sense that they were still Stevie Lyle mm -hmm. um, yourself right James Manson Jason Stone so um, and Ian Cooper this was the first year just as a footnote this was the first year that the Coopers separated yeah. <laughs> which was that would have been so weird for them and I know it yeah. was when they when and they I think ended. that one of the first games of the league season was Manchester perhaps in a, oh not least he's maybe a B&H Cup and, and I remember at the yeah. time Stephen and Ian talking about how how weird it was playing uh, uh, against each other and uh, second uh, Autumn Cup game of the year the first of September yeah and weird for their parents who'd always yeah. you know travelled everywhere to watch them Absolutely. together and all of a sudden watch them against each other another British name on the roster Peter Smith Mm. Waffy Waffles Waffy Waffles I think listens in too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, he had 33 appearances in this season I was his last I remember and I know we're jumping ahead and spoiler alert the Devils won the league that year there's, there's a great um, <laughs> cut that out we can, we cut, can that out. cut that there <laughs> but that was his first was it his first major trophy or was it his first league trophy I remember that was and a big big thing for it. and he got, I, he got the cover of Ice Lake yeah. News and there's a great picture with his white BT hat on and, and holding up the the Monteith Bowl, and um, yeah, I think Peter Smith uh, deserves that. So, you know, in terms of uh, a British talent, you know, the Devils compared to to other teams that year mm. were, were pretty blessed. And we didn't um, say anything about talent; we just said we had British guys. That yeah. <laughs> 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 Ian Cooper and Stevie Lyle side. I think so you scored you know, a nice goal at Sheffield that year in a four-all draw. Pierre Greco. Yes. Yeah, you scored a nice goal in a four. -all. Ken Hodge scored a couple, and you scored one. Don't remember Ken Hodges' goals. <laughs> Ken Hodges scored a couple. You scored one. I don't know who scored the other. But talk us through it. I, don't, don't, I, I just remember it was like a good shot. It was like it wasn't just like a tip in or something. It was like an actual shot, like sort of glove side shelf that kind of. I could say whatever I like. Yeah, yeah. It's on YouTube. So uh, coast to coast. Yeah, <laughs> the -man. No, I, I think I got like I was parked in the slot, get, yeah. get a shot, um, get a shot away, and beat Greco, who's like actually a decent goalie. Well, is, is he net mining coach of the Islanders? He's net mining coach somewhere in the NHL. So there we are, and he still scars him to this day. He does. does, yeah, yeah. And he he always tells his guys to look out for that <laughs> shot from the slot. <laughs> but uh, another little known fact that I am going to pump my own tires with: I scored the second ever Super League goal. Really? I wow. Did. Second ever amongst the whole league. We, the very first Super League game, so yeah. forget about Autumn Trophy or whatever it was, so the first ever Super League game, we had an early face-off for some reason. Um, I don't know if they were televising it or something, but we had the trophy there. Yeah. And they were making it all uh, sort of yeah. a, a more professional era. But we had an earlier face-off than the rest of the league. Um I think we were chosen because probably Dave Temme was yeah. a key figure in setting up the Super League yeah. in Cardiff was Dave Temme's club. No uh, no bias there. But we played against Bracknell yes. in Bracknell mm -hmm. and the first ever goal in the Super League was scored by Ian Cooper. Wow. And I scored the second. Two British nice. guys. That's, that's great. 5-4 victory on the 21st of September 1996. Because this is, and we'll go into And that. I actually, I... I I very rarely remember anything yeah. about games I've played in. It's like honestly, it's it's ridiculous how much <laughs> I've forgotten. Um, but I 
I remember that I did score the go-ahead goal and then they tied the game and I was yeah. pissed off because I thought I'm going to get the game winner in the first ever Super League. <laughs> I'm not so. sure if it was this one or, or one later in the season, maybe a 3-1 at Bracknell. I remember Doug McCarthy missed the worst open net I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Yeah. Uh, really, really bad um, open net. But And I, I think my goal might have been against Mark Bernard as well. I'm not, not 100% sure on that. Who, who have they been? Bernard, I, I remember, Bernard and Brian Greer maybe were their net miners? I remember that it was... It was like the goal, there was a bit of a scramble and, and the puck, there was a shot on that yeah. and the goalie came flying out and I somehow managed to almost like chip, chip him yeah. over. Um, like, yeah. But second ever Super League That's, goal. Yeah, my Bernard now a high figure in Chicago. So the, the moral of this story is everyone that Franny has scored against. They go on to bigger and better <laughs> things. <laughs> they, <do. laughs> they make the show. If Franny yeah, scores great, you make the show. But I think I, just on that point that you're winning away from home, and I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on this, guys, but for the first month of the season, it was our away form that kept us in it because I remember we were awful at home. Um, so much so, I think we lost three or four home games maybe in a, in a row in the league. And I remember there was a gentleman up at the back of Block 13. I think we lost a home game maybe against Bracknell. Did and he, he took his shirt off and, and threw it on the ice. No, that, that was... Um, what did they used to call him? Block 13? There was the, it was the guy was at the, the back, guy? the guy with the moustache. Tonsils. 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 I didn't know he was called Tonsils. Yeah, yeah that, that was the fear. Okay, but he threw his shirt, he threw his shirt on the ice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, I wonder if back then people used to say this is the worst Devils team I've ever seen before, before we then go into the league. But they had to write it down on paper. <laughs> yeah, and, and mail it into it. Yeah. But yeah, you, you are right about the, uh, the home form there. John's a of course he is. Loss uh, after Franny's second ever goal in Super League history. Uh, the next uh, night is a 7-6 loss uh, at home against the Nottingham Panthers. Mm. Um, and then there's an autumn cap loss against the Panthers yeah, shoot uh, a week out later. Yeah. Um, and then a loss to the Manchester Storm mm. in the middle of October and, the other and th- then is a loss against Beasonstoke Bison so the first four mm. home league games it's all falling apart isn't it it's all falling apart I, there was a lot of pressure on Paul so, Heavey so the other thing that I remember about this season from having a look on Elite Prospects earlier today was related <laughs> 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 that that we Lost Randy Smith early in the season. Yes. No, joke. I do remember this because he had a really bad, bad, bad neck yeah. injury. Uh, I think he played a few Autumn, Autumn Cup, Cup games. Got a bad neck injury and ended up having to have like neck mm-hmm. surgery with a disc removed and a, a little cage put in. So we lost him for the year. Yeah. And we, did we then get Marty Uchuk? No, Hodge was at Uchuk. No, Hodge was already with us, I think. No, Hodge came in. Hodge was oh, Smith's replacement because Hodge oh, okay. and Smith were friends and Smith recommended okay. Hodge. Uchuk came in a little late, but he... Because Frank Evans came in late that year. The season already started and Frank Evans came in. I think Uchuk came in a, uh, a little late and obviously played on that great line with Sacratini and, and McCarthy, which was meant to be the third line. But I think mm. both Sacratini and McCarthy well, finished McCarthy in the top three scorers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. With Dale Junkin, I think, of, of Bracknell. Um... So yeah, but I, I, you, we were still kind of, I'm not sure with, with Paul Heavey whether he knew, because I remember John Lawless telling me the story that he, he was told there was going to be an import cap. And so he signed lots of reclassified players, guys like Jeff Lindsay and things like that. He didn't realise the Super League would be of such a high standard. And I remember doing an interview with John Lawless and he kind of said that's what cost him his job. He got the reclassified guys early because he thought they would be of a higher value. And it turns out he didn't actually have the standard of team he, he needed. I think 
Paul Heavey might have gone the other way and sort of waited to see what was happening in the first few games. I remember we brought in Frank Evans a little late. Marty Uchuk after he played roller hockey with, with Doug McCarthy in the, yeah, in the summer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I think Paul Heavey was a little bit clever there. But he, he was, when we were losing those home games, I'm, I'm probably not from management, but I remember amongst the fans, Paul, Paul Heavey was under a little bit of pressure. That um, roller hockey... Hmm. Um, oh, I hate roller, roller hockey international. Yes. Uh, didn't Ian McIntyre come from? Ian McIntyre, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the the next summer, but he he played there as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like, you know, for for hockey players that are getting paid eight or nine months of the year, that was like their windfall, yeah. wasn't it? So in the summer they'd go across and they were making decent money. They were trying to make yeah. a big push on this roller hockey, and it was, I guess it's like going to Australia now. Some of the guys go down under in the summer just yeah. to make sure they get paid twelve years, twelve years, twelve months <laughs> of the year. Just don't look at the Manchester roster after what you said about the reclassification. Just guys like John Finney and, and Jeff yeah. Lindsay, Hilton, Hilton Ruggles. Um, was Nick Poole still around, maybe? And Dino Barber. Yeah. Uh, uh, ended up in a variety of Scottish he teams. He did. Mike Morin. Mike assistant coach. Coaching? Yeah, he's still assistant coach at Manchester, Manchester isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So they, yeah, did, they, they brought in Sean Byron, who ooh, I quite I always liked good, Sean yeah, Byron. Yeah, he's yeah. a tough boy as well. And a guy called Bart. Can't, can't be that. Never, I don't think I've ever known of Eric Van Bart, is it? No. Did they, they had a guy called Brad Turner. Is Brad yeah, Turner on this? Who was in Hollywood. He, he used to do, if there was ever a hockey movie, oh, he'd be like one of the main stunt guys. So I think he was known as Hollywood. Was Brad it Brad Zavisha as well? Are we, are yeah. we making that up? Stefan Cotola didn't come that year. He came late there. Mm. But yeah. they signed a French Canadian goalie halfway through the year, Eric Merland or something. Mm. And. and Eric Raymond. Eric Raymond. There we go. Shows I haven't done my research. <laughs> but I, I, I think I remember John Lawless telling me in, a, in an interview I did for the 30th anniversary, he was given a heads up that there was going to be an import restriction. So he um, thought he was being really clever, and, he, and he, you know, he was. He went and got lots of reclassified imports who would um, fall into the British category. And then it appeared that there was a change and there was no import restriction. And, you know, Lawless was left with these guys who were good players. You know, I always like someone like Jeff Lindsay, but in terms of then the, the players that were being brought in, um, maybe not quite up to the same standard. And I've just checked it out, and there was a Brad Zavisha. And what I remember about him is he was a first-round draft pick. Really? He, he was, I think he was one of those kind of quite renowned busts. Okay. You know, <laughs> um, like, who's the guy that played? Scott Kalman? Scott Kalman in Coventry as Scott well. Kalman so Brad Coventry, Zavisha yeah. was one of those guys that... Apparently got drafted in uh, first round and then scouts lost their jobs. Who, who was the guy we had that you got that the season after we went into liquidation and you and G did a great job putting the rosters together from Ottawa? First round draft? Yeah, I don't think he was first round, but he was reasonably high. And I remember you and G say, because he, he'd taken a couple of years off hockey and the, the year we got to the playoff final against Nottingham and lost three. Scott Dobbin? Scott Dobbin. Third round pick. Yeah. Okay. Scott Dobbin. Yeah. Not not that inspiring of a player. Lovely guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me and G d still do talk about like what do we think he was trying to achieve going down on his off wing and just floating one into the goalie's pads <laughs> every single shot. But anyway, well, I'm glad I brought him up. So, sorry, I, and, I, and I do genuinely like him as a guy as well. Yeah. Very nice guy, and he he messaged us when we signed Chris Whitley. Yeah, when we were struggling yeah. for a goalie, and he said, oh, "Look, I think I've got a goalie for you." So. Thanks for that, and yeah. apologies for, apologies for carving you on your play, but yeah. yeah, we just, 
every single time we were like, oh, you got to check. No, 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 no. He's just going to chip it on the goalie's pads. And, yeah, okay, it's a whistle. Yeah. <laughs> Force the face off, Scott. Force Never know off. what's going to crop up. First Super League year in yeah. Scott Dobbins ended up. <laughs> and, he, and he had earpieces as well on his helmets. Oh, uh, on those CCM helmets. Like, really, and yeah, yeah. it just looks funny. And like, we could never get over that. <laughs> could never get past that. That's why you didn't get the second year. Yeah, the earpieces. <laughs> Promotion relegation's gone. Mm. As a fan, did you miss that? Was that a worry there's going to be non affiliation and on enough going on? Because everyone qualified for the playoffs, I believe. Yeah, it was it was weird, um, again, having always grown up with the British style mentality in football of promotion relegation and having had that in ice hockey. It was a bit strange to go to this franchise style hockey. And we, we talked about in a previous episode how at one point Sheffield sold half their franchise to to Leeds and you know again 20 odd years later Leeds play their first game um, <laughs> not, not quite yet because the ring's not ready no, it's, not, it's something to that do with that ring, ring isn't it? Yeah. Um, but you know congratulations to the Leeds Chiefs on their first game good but luck yeah. to Sammy Zajac good, yeah always liked him always liked Sammy Zajac yeah but it was a bit of a, 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 a culture shock but again you were just caught up on this kind of crest of a wave because the publicity was was good they had the big launch in London I think they went to uh, uh, Trafalgar Square didn't they and Shannon was on the roller skates with a few of them and there was a there, there was a whole um, uh, you know big media presence around it and Sky had picked it up so it was a bit of a, a, a shock and and you know I'm I grew up with football so I always like the the promotion relegation I think it keeps it interesting right till the end of the season but um, you got caught up in in the you know the 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 atmosphere of of, of Super League and, and and what it could be and it was just nice that Cardiff was was classed as one of the top eight clubs in the country that should be there um, and everything was based around this this new arena which was um, this was before the Sports Village we just knew it was going to be somewhere on Ferry Road and this was <laughs> when Ferry Road was I think still a, a kind of a waste dump and then. Uh, you know, you got the Asdas down there and the IKEA, and, and eventually, after about twenty years later, they they put up the big blue tent. <laughs> With the way, Franny's a player, I suppose it didn't make much difference to you because, from a Cardiff perspective, you were always going to be aiming for the top, regardless. So there was never any worry that you know, that you know there was going to be nothing games towards the end of the year in seventh, eighth place. Yeah, um, I mean the whole promotion relegation thing is is weird in hockey just because of the I think of the import rules mm. isn't it you've got to be a really bad team to get relegated mm-hmm. you? if you're a top flight team and you've got your mm. 10 imports or whatever and then you're playing off against the league below that's got you know four and mm. you've got to be really bad to, to go down and generally it didn't happen did it no. I mean obviously there was exceptions mm-hmm. with, with us but um, I think I remember when your Durham finished right yeah they did. They, did they did they did they had to play Romford Romford yeah. there we go but you know that that it's just such a mismatch that mm. um, yeah the, the stabilisation this is where the sort of clubs took control of their own destiny didn't yeah. they like you said before Gaza there was no sort of governing body over them it was uh, you know, yeah. the same structure we got today where you've got clubs around the table and they sort of uh have a, a democracy on, on the way the sport goes. I think the sad thing for me, and, and I, I say again, I was very excited about this progress, but uh, you know, bearing in mind the Devils have already been in existence for 10 years, but you lost some teams that have that been sort of intertwined with the Devils and the fabric of the Devils' history. 
You know, you lost Slough. Slough, had had, Slough for years have been trying to get in the Premier League, as it were. They had a season in the Premier League the year before Super League. I think didn't go particularly successfully, but then all of a sudden they were they were out anyway. Teams like Telford weren't weren't going to go into Super League. Swindon, Swindon yeah. who who then became the Ice Lords and and and, and won a lot of trophies before um, running into financial trouble. But that that was the sad part for me, particularly as a lot of these teams um, were were M four corridor teams as well. It was always nice going to Slough and going to Swindon. So it, it was sad to see some of these traditional rivals um, being lost. But I guess. If you were one of the ins instead of one of the outs, maybe you didn't care that much. But um, looking back, it, it, it was sorry that you know you didn't get to go to lovely, luxurious places like the Hangar in Slough. Uh, I do miss that. <laughs> they were in Swindon and Slough were in the Devil's Autumn Cup group hmm. uh, in that scene. Great kebab shop in Slough. The first ever chicken diner I had. Really? In Slough, yeah. Mm, Always God. worth a trip. It wasn't the one in the Levi called Jason Donovan, the one I passed the last time no. I went to Slough. still had the Donovan. They had the Donovan and Slough had the actual right. kebab shop with the chicken Donna, which was unheard of. I've suddenly <laughs> got a business idea. There you go. <laughs> was it a two-horse race from the start, Sheffield-Cardiff, or was there any kind of thought that another team were going to make a run on this? I don't think it was initially because of Cardiff's poor home form. As I said, I think, you know, Sheffield uh, seemingly remember it. You know, they were the league champions um, and they'd uh, signed some, some stellar players. But players I remember with big resumes who, who didn't necessarily work out. We talked about Jamie Leach before, a, a lovely guy. He came in with a big uh, resume and reputation because of his dad and doesn't really deliver. Uh, Corey Bolio came in and he was going to be this biggest, toughest boy in the league and... and that never quite materialised, but Sheffield was still going to be the the team to to beat. I think Bracknell had a decent start to the season, but if memory serves, Air were the surprise package, possibly finished third that year. They they did well. Um, you know, Angelo Catanero, who we've talked about before, and and uh, Sven Ramp was in goal for them, and and the, Sven Ramp before Rob Dobson came in, Sven Ramp was in. So, but I I think from kind of October onwards. Uh, and certainly, you know, around the time that you had the, the transition between Stefan Zeesh and, and Steve Thornton uh, in, in early December, um, yeah, by that time it had kind of shaken down to a two-horse race between the Steelers and the Devils. Um, I'll tell you who my two favourite players in the league that year were and who, who I felt the most dangerous opponents were. Um, were Askew and Duberman in Newcastle. Askew was fast, wasn't he? Yeah, Askew was super fast and Duberman was really clever. And Duberman is now an agent, like a quite really? high, high level agent. And uh, Scott ha- Dobbin's agent? Or? <laughs> Not that high. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I actually, one year we were looking for players and I was trying to get some sort of fresh angles into... Yeah. Uh, you know, in maybe into a pool that we hadn't tapped before. And I, I looked at, there's like a NHL um, database of agents. And I saw Duberman on there. So I emailed him and I said, uh, you won't remember me. I used to sit on the bench while you and Askew teared up the <laughs> Super League. And he did like, he came back and goes, that's brought back some good memories. So that was uh, quite a funny moment. But yeah, just those two guys, they just... They were absolutely deadly, and it just always gave. Yeah, I remember Kelly Askew was Kelly Askew, lightning. Yeah, yeah, really. Good. I think he might have had a bad injury, like a concussion or something. Did, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's super, super fast, and Dubman was deadly. So, 
Um, th- those were probably that was probably the deadliest combination I felt in the league that year. While we're talking about Newcastle, can I just bring up one of my favourite stories? There was there was one of the games in Cardiff that year where the equipment manager forgot to pack their tops. The Adidas tops. I think like it was a game live on Sky. It might possibly could have been. I think that's I think why I right. remember it. I was yeah. watching it. So they had to go into the fans, didn't they, and ask to, to borrow some of their, their, their tops. Yeah. And I remember reading in PowerPoint, one they of taped, them smelled of perfume. They taped on numbers and they taped on it, numbers. because obviously all the replicas yeah. back then didn't have your name badge no. and numbers. <laughs> so they had the blank sort of yeah. packs on them and they had black stick tape <laughs> in a sky On game. sky. Brilliant. Yeah. 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 Justin Duberman had, uh, in that first league year, 106 penalty minutes mm. in 30 games. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, some tough boys in the league. Up at air again, you had Scott Young, who I always liked, but had a bit of a, a screw loose. And you had Ryan Kumu and uh, obviously Mikey Ware in, in, in Cardiff. <laughs> the other guy I remember coming into the league, who I, he was a veteran, but I remember watching him in the Olympics. So this was a sign for me that, oh, this is another level. And again, up in the air, there was a guy called Yuri Lala, who was a Czech international, yeah. who, who, who came in. Um, and I'm thinking, oh God, I've seen this guy playing in international competition. This, this... He was getting on a bit, wasn't he? He but was about 38, 39, yeah, but he was still... But he's still like, yeah. yeah, it was legit, yeah. And luckily for him, playing just shy of a few years before the Teletubbies became popular. Indeed. <laughs> or else opposition fans might have had a bit more of a time with him. And I do believe he's got a son, Yuri Lala Jr., who uh, Does he? plays now, yeah. Oh, well, I think. That's good knowledge. And he's good knowledge. I told you I live on elite prospects. <laughs> Probably Malay's nationality and Yuri Lala's son. 